from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. I had this nightmare that I was cast under Drag Race and I was competing. A prophecy. There was a moment during the show where the cameras were down and I needed to go use the bathroom. And when I was taking a shit, they were like calling like places, places. And I was like, fuck, I need to like go. And then all of a sudden, the walls of the bathroom dropped. And I was sitting on the toilet in front of the entire cast of this Drag Race season and Rue laughing at me. And the whole thing had been staged. <laughs> I'm not proud of this, but I've never been on the Dakota Johnson train. You know what, Fran? I will not accept any Dakota Johnson slander because today we are lifting Dakota up in celebration and thanking her for the amazing, incredible, show-stopping, never-the-same, bus club, another club, another club, bus, no sleep, next plane, no sleep, (laughs) gift that she gave the world, which is... Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes. And then after that, of course, becoming the creative director of a very bougie lube company that I will say I was a fan of before she hopped onto, but it is a great lube. Um, Virgins, today we are talking about Fifty Shades of Grey, not just the movies, not just the books, but the Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon, mm-hmm. which is, you know that these are the best-selling books of the 2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a moment in pop culture. It took pop culture by storm. And we will be revisiting it um, because this is Like a Virgin, the show where we give yesterday's pop culture today's takes. I'm Rose Damu. And I'm Fran Trotto. Fran, are you ready to be tied up and dominated? Um, you're asking for my consent. Um, no. Okay, so I guess podcast (laughs) over. (laughs) And just like that, season one and... I mean, what I'm hoping is the only season of it, just like that, but probably won't be, has ended. What did you think? What did you think of the finale? I mean, you hated it, obviously, but what's your nuanced and yeah, like right. salient right, right, right. Can you provide analysis of why you hated it? Yeah. 
There were parts of it that I liked. Okay. I loved Carrie's dress in Paris. Same. Incredible. Although I do Valentino. think she should have she should have been wearing the Carrie necklace. Um, I loved Hari. Hari was amazing. Let's let's start with Hari, okay? Because Hari yeah. sucked up every yeah. scene. Hari Period. like now joins the legacy of iconic Sex in the City guest stars. Oh, that's so true. She really brought that zaniness back into Sex in the City. I think that's something that's really we're, we were missing from this reboot. That, and just like that, universe is so much Which more we needed somber. so desperately. And here's the thing. The buzz around Hari is a lot. And they originally had her reading for the book publisher role. And then they had her come back in and they wrote this role for Hari, which thank, is thank how God. much they liked her. She, need, she needed room to breathe. I'm glad we got so much Rabbi Jen. And she was so integrated into the storyline and to all the girls' storylines. Yes! She was like the deus ex machina of like their relationship drama, honestly, which I love. Yeah. Um, and I foresee Hari in season two, to be honest. I think that Make her, her the fourth girl. good. I, well, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, she would be amazing at the, as the fourth no, girl. No, but we, we should use her, use her sparingly. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they deserve her. I don't actually trust these women with, like, a trans friend because Hari's character <laughs> is trans in this right. iteration. At the, at the they mitzvah, which, I mean, I guess let's <laughs> was get great. into the stuff that I didn't like <laughs> I, because <laughs> Rock... York Goldenblatt needs to be in jail. Okay. Um, I think actually everyone in and just like that should be in jail. <laughs> the only person who shouldn't be is Rabbi Jen. She can have the keys. She can lock them up. Yeah, ra- but everyone, everyone else belongs in prison. I will say, as a Jewess, I was happy to see like such an accurate representation of what one of these over the top bar mitzvahs looks like. That being said. It was so unrealistic that they would just let Rock not go through with it. Although it was funny to see them trying to bribe Rock because that is very so true to life. fucking funny. What do you want, an Oculus? That definitely happened to me in some way. Like, I was given some kind of material reward for, mm-hmm. like, training for my bar mitzvah. But, like, just trying to bribe Rock just to do it was, like, I imagine that has happened to a lot of people. But what a fucking little piece of shit. (laughs) I feel like I had a slightly different takeaway from this. I was on Team Rock. I thought also Rock looked adorable. I have to go. I've got to go. This podcast is over. (laughs) Rock was adorable. This is not a Team Rock podcast. Also have never heard Rock your golden black said out loud, which is was very jarring for you to say, but now that I'm hearing it, like, I I know this person. I know Rock York Goldenblatt, a.k.a. some crunchy queer hipster who's pretending to be some crunchy queer hipster, but is oh, actually yeah, a trust fund baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've worked with them. We've had sex with them. <laughs> we've been at parties with them. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. like, you know. But I, I, you know, I thought it was an amazing plot point, and I was totally on Rock's side about kind of coming coming at a head in so many different areas of your life and being like, okay, these are all the things I've called into question about my gender. So, of course, like, when like when I start to think about my religion, I'm going to, like, question that, too. And, you know, a kid would wait until the 11th hour to decide that they don't want to do this anymore. And I thought it was also, I wish it had been explained more, but it was a really nice way to tie together what was wrong about the whole experience, which is that the whole day mitzvah was really about Charlotte. It was about what Charlotte wanted. Yeah, that's about, what bar and bar mitzvahs are about. I know, but, that, it's about but that's about the my parents. thing is like that's kind of what Rock was trying to say but couldn't. And so suck it up. <laughs> suck it up and take 
the honestly, thousands of dollars you're going to get as gifts. Yeah, and honestly, the vibe Rock was getting was a little like, like kind of like a coexist kind of queer, like kind Ugh, of like. Awful. I did like Rock's suit. I liked Rock's so suit. The Looks pink so suit cute. was great. I mean, otherwise, like, <sighs> I guess we have to talk about Che. I. Okay, Che Diaz announcing their pilot via song at a huge party when, like, I mean, yeah, getting a pilot is exciting, but also, like, that pilot's probably not getting picked up, and if it is, it's getting canceled after one season. So, like, have the party later, you know? Yeah, it's too early to celebrate. Although I love giving Sarah Ramirez a chance to sing. Yeah. they are a Broadway icon, as we have talked about. I thought, like, that... The whole Miranda, I'm going to go with you to L.A. thing was, like, really unhinged. I loved Ed going back to Hari. Like, the scene in the bathroom where they kind of, like, come at a head of, like, are you going to Paris? Are you going to L.A.? Are you going to do both or neither? Whatever. Like, that was so real. And I thought Miranda saying, I'm allowed to change. Like, I'm allowed to completely upend everything you know about me as a character because I'm having a crisis. Like, I am calling into question everything that I've believed before this moment. I thought that that earned a lot of what we saw this season that was, like, so frustrating about, you know, Miranda becoming this kind of hard-to-watch character. I don't know. There was just no resolution for it, though, because the resolution, like, saying... I'm allowed to change isn't the resolution of a story, especially if this does end up being the only season. Like, that's where we leave Miranda. Yeah. I just need you to know that I don't I don't care who I'm dating. I don't care if I'm dating, like, this Disney, like, prince of a human being. Like, I would never, ever pass up on a trip to Paris with you to dispel your Scatter husband's, my, <laughs> your husband's ashes. Yeah, 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 Thank you. That's really sweet <laughs> of you. I would also never pay for you to come to Paris with me. <laughs> I did love that once Miranda canceled, Carrie was like, Charlotte, I'm not going to Paris with you alone. <laughs> There's no way. It was extremely accurate, though. It's And true. I mean, and Charlotte knows her place. She's like, yeah, like, word. Like, I understand. With, yeah. With the Chadias of it all, you know, I was reading this Vulture article where they interviewed all of the writers from And Just Like That. Mm. And one of them was saying, like, oh, yeah, we knew people were going to hate Che Diaz. Like, that was the point. They were supposed to be this, like, caricature. And that just made me so angry because you can't say that after the fact to, like, retcon your bad choices. Like, that has to all be on the page when you write the script and on the screen when you shoot it. You can't say after you've seen all the tweets, like, haha, we knew. We knew everyone was going to be Team Steve. Like, this was all intentional because... That's not clear from the show. All you have is yeah. the text. And it's, it doesn't it didn't work. And I call bullshit on that. I, I call bullshit as well, especially when there are no Latin or non-binary writers in this room. It just makes them look bad. Like they're punching down. You know what I mean? If like there were a bunch of men like writing a role for a woman as to like, you know, why she's like a fuck up or whatever, or, like why she's like a villain, like you would feel kind of type of way about that. You know what I mean? There's a difference between creating a character that is so villainous that you love to hate them. Shay is someone we hate to hate. Like, it's not fun to watch. There's nothing about what brings this character together that is satiating. And I think it's a testament to the intentions of their writing and what we see actually on screen versus like what we're reacting to. It's just, it's just not sticking the landing to me. Also, sorry, Shay would never be monogamous. So there's, I don't, never. I would don't understand. And, and nor should, nor should they have to be. No, which is why it's like such a missed opportunity for 
there to be queer, queer like actually like non-binary writers in this room to talk about like the nuances of what Sex in the City characters could learn about queer relationships, which has so much to teach them. But honestly, this is rounding to like what I feel is like my resounding point about the finale, which is that where we are ending at the end of season one is actually where we, we should have started. You know what I mean? I feel like season one of And Just Like That is so much like grief and like all these kind of character rearranges and so much like upheaval that was like not really earned. But like, I would much rather start the season with Big is dead. Miranda is divorced and dating someone non-binary. You know, Char has a non-binary kid. Samantha is about to re-enter the franchise, question mark. Like, that is a starting point. And I did not need to watch, like, the season worth of what was the rejected Nicholas Sparks novel of, like, Carrie's grief plotline. You know what I mean? Like, it really was not, like the tea and I didn't I didn't need it to was watch. a walk to forget yeah. <laughs> yes I didn't need to watch her like tragic kiss on a stoop with that but doctor. I did like the kiss with the hot producer yes. that was good we needed a start and, you know rebounds yeah but like no I, I I do think it makes sense that it ends in a more hopeful way than it started honestly when they were talking about um Miranda Miranda and her internship Miranda, oh, rejecting an intro? Are you kidding me? There isn't a world wherein any 50-plus-year-old woman is vying for an internship or has any sort of stakes in an, an unpaid internship. Well, also, like, it was just too late to introduce that as an obstacle. No. Like, they should have seeded that earlier in the yeah. season. Like, show us her trying to get the internship so we understand what she's giving and up. And it should be Like, the stakes were so unclear. She, I mean, it could be an apprenticeship. It should, she should be at the directorial level. Like, there's, she's studied. She's has all this experience in another field, she would have come back and been at a, a much higher level. It just doesn't make sense. Um, but all that to say, even though the finale was not really that great at tying all of the ends that we were interested in, I did enjoy my way through it, um, with with the exception of, like, the talking lamp and, like, the ashes of it all. Yeah, well, I don't... This is not you know, ookie spooky hour. <laughs> I, 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 that's not what I came here for. We did not. And like also her saying that Big's in heaven. Yeah. I hate to break it to you, but Big is burning in hell. <laughs> in hell. In hell. I am going to miss the show. I'm going to miss uh, Well, I'm going to miss, it. I don't know what I'm going to do on Thursdays anymore. Okay. Well, what have you been watching this week? Um, Oh, I've been listening to a lot of the new music that's been coming out. I shockingly love the new Mitski album. And I am on record, possibly on, on this podcast, as not really being into Mitski. Surprising. Um, Very surprising. Yeah, it is surprising because she does seem like someone who would be exactly my jush. Mm-hmm. But What's your Be song? the Cowboy really didn't do it for me. And I even, after listening to her new album, I went back and listened to Be the Cowboy to be like, oh, was I like not giving it a fair shot? And no, I still don't like it. Mm. Um, I think it's this something specific about this album. Like, it's very synthy, mm-hmm. um, which I really liked. Um, and you know, it's like so good that I will even forgive it for only being like thirty minutes long. Yeah. Which, girls, make your albums longer. Yeah, we are not. I'm not 
here for EPs. No, no, no. Cowards. Come on. I also, um, I'm, I'm, I like Mitski, but I'm not a Mitski head. This album also appealed to me because of its, its dance, I guess, um, vibes. I love Should Have Been Me. That's maybe my favorite song on the album. I think that the, the, Should've w- been the me way it kind is, of like is really up. good. I also, one of my friends, Jaslyn, did the um, choreography for the Stay Soft music video, I think, which is also a really good song. Um, but yeah, I mean, welcome to the Mitski clan. I'm I'm glad to have you, Rose. All of the gay, yeah, all I of loved, the sad um, gay girls on this side of town are are <laughs> here to welcome you. Yeah, I loved like the only heartbreakers. So good, love me more. Mm. There's definitely more of um like a Saint Vincent kind of vibe on this album, which really appeals to me. And I'm just so happy that we have, you know, these women who are still making rock and roll. Yeah. Um, that, you know, because that is very much like a musical sweet spot for me. Also, this weekend I was listening to on repeat um, the Machine Gun Kelly and Willow song, oh, Emo Girl. I, I winced and then smiled because I was like, Machine Gun Kelly, no. Willow, yes. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's the song called Emo Girl and it's about being in love with an emo girl. And it's like, it's so catchy and like addictive. The I love it. The Willow collabs are sick. The collab with Avril. I with mean, Avril was so good. A perfect use of Avril. I, I I just it's it was so well done. Okay, moving on to Drag Race. The only thing I have to say is that this is the funniest mini challenge in the history of Drag Race. Point blank. Period. I was. It was very funny uh, when Sarah McLaughlin showed up. I gagged. I think the challenges dying. have been really good this season. Like so good. This and like last week where they had to make the teaser. Like that's very inventive, and I really like it um my big takeaway from this episode was georgia's fucking ate that lip sync yeah honestly like she should have um i don't know like won twice because of it i they should she should have like retroactively won the challenge because of how good that lip sync performance i kind of think georgia's should have been in the bottom last episode too and maybe the episode before that because i would have loved to watch her lip sync for her life every time like she I think is an assassin. Like, I don't think we even saw her hundred percent in that episode. So. No, I don't think so either. I do wonder if she'll, because I think I, I think about like the, the narrative slots that, that different contestants fill in their season. Mm. I wonder if she will be one of the ones who does poorly early on and then realizes they have to step their pussy up and ends up making it, you know, all the way to the end. Ooh, like a or, vein or... Or if she's just, like, you know, gonna have a couple of fierce lip syncs and then eventually they're like, okay, but you still suck in the challenges, so you're going home. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be a Chi-Chi or a, a, a Trinity K. Bonet kind of redemption, maybe. I would love to see that, to be honest, even if she's not technically as good as some of the other girls. Um, are you watching UK versus the world? I am. Wait, are you? No, I haven't watched okay. it yet, but I'm I'm interested. Can I please, 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 ma'am? Can I beg of you to watch Drag Race Canada season one? Because like, no, it is... I'm not watching. I'm no, not watching. Please, a, I'm not Rose. watching a season of no, Drag Race without RuPaul. No, please. that's another thing I'll say about this Rose. current season of Drag Race. <laughs> is that you? Um, Mr. Paul is kind of serving. Yeah, like he's he's been really on his game, um, and I, I have to say, like. <laughs> That's why I won't watch, uh, you know, uh, like many of these international seasons because it's not Drag Race without RuPaul for me. I mean, I, I okay, I agree with the sentiment of what you're saying, especially even though as I say that, I can feel the estrogen being leached out of my body. <laughs> Stop. 
Um, I think um, particularly with the game we watched, like I love that they're straight up hazing Maddie Morphosis. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, they are. Like, every, like, like when when it was Maddie's turn, they were all like, ha, 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 fucking fat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I they're, love, Rue. That's what I love. Yeah, it was, it's, it, that very much was the energy. Um, they're like, ha, you're gay. But, but Rose, all of the virgins. I wish Maddie, I wish Maddie Morphosis like said no homo before <laughs> she started doing it. Like, I want her to be in on the joke a little more if we have to yeah, have her. Yeah, I agree. I, it's whatever. I, but on that note, um, you would not be saying what you're saying about Rue if you saw her runway for UK versus the world, which I know you did because you saw my Instagram story. But girl, she cleaned up at Sheen. She got her this <laughs> ugly ass velvet, like, pink string hoochie dress that so something you would wear to a party <laughs> yeah look like a full mall rat yeah yeah giving me my brat's doll aesthetic yeah ju- um, if only she had a telfar bag on yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um a telfar bag and a poorly done smoky eye um but yeah i, I oh you're getting there uh no 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 everyone just please send in make, please send in makeup tips for fran i will i will receive makeup tips if you receive campaigns to please watch canada season one because Coming back to UK versus the world, Jimbo and his involvement in that season is like essential knowledge for watching UK versus the world. You have to see what Jimbo does with his art in order to see. Someone send me an, uh, a YouTube supercut uh, with the highlights. I'll watch that. Fine. But I'm, not, I'm not watching the whole season. Okay, fine, fine. If you're not going to watch it. But my point is for those that aren't watching, UK versus the world. I don't know why it's called that. It's not formatted as a UK versus the rest of the people on this show. It is literally just international all-stars. It's all-stars rules. So the winners lip sync and they eliminate someone from the bottom too. So, I mean, I, I love those rules. I, I'm, it makes it so much more fun to watch. What's really fascinating is they did not enter the workroom. They entered the runway and it was kind of a little like meet the queens kind of moment or re-meet the queens kind of moment as opposed to, um, you know, this like workroom drama that kind of happens at the beginning. But I mean, some of my main takeaways from the show are that there's just like nothing left behind Jujubee's eyes. Like she's just d- <laughs> oh, dead, girl. dead inside. I, I, she is one of my all time favorites and it's, it's really hard. She's one of the best. She's one of the best. And it's so hard to watch her do this because her soul just isn't in it anymore at all. Like, uh, even big Juju fans like me can admit that like this was such a below average like performance in the beginning of the show. Like you'll see, it's just like so like not Juju. And honestly, you just like see the light leave her <laughs> eyes as RuPaul cackles in the bathroom, yeah. and the, as RuPaul cackles in the background. Um, I just wanted to say RuPaul's in the bathroom, making sure that there's no trans women in there. <laughs> She's like, Carrie Colby, get your ass out of here. <laughs> Uh, um, what Jimbo does on UK versus the world is high art. And it honestly helped made me appreciate what few like performance artists we have on the show. Like I think Willow Pill is kind of performance. I think even like Sasha uh, Willow Pill was heartbreaking on this episode of Drag Race. Uh, she was so good. And then when she was talking about her body breaking uh, down, it was God. so sad. That was the moment. I want her to win. Me too, because Cornbread getting eliminated, I oh, was we like... we didn't talk about Cornbread. I was gooped. Gooped. It was a good episode. It was an exquisite 
episode of television in in large part because of these twists and turns mama well, these girls um, are selling their souls and holes away <laughs> to satan slash rupaul that that they are that they are and uh, same as the case for international all-stars which is what i'll be calling uk versus the world the most important takeaway is that pangina for the win mama pangina is hot hot yeah hot, but hot. i guess like there's also like a weird aspect of it like you are the best of the best in your country, like so good that we had you host our show. But but even being that means you are not on the level of the hosts in this country's version of Drag Race. Sure, but there is precedent for it now because, you know, when they put Bibi Zahara Benet into the show, they were like, what the fuck? She already won. You know what I mean? Like, or I think they've done a version of this before, like where it's like someone yeah, but who's there's had a their difference time between a winner and a host. I totally. mean, I guess like... Didn't Brooklyn Heights came back as one of the lip sync assassins after she she was the host of Canada's Drag Race, but she was originally a contestant. So I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting. It's a little like, it's a little like colonialist, (laughs) which considering it's UK versus the world, like, (laughs) yikes. Yikes. So so what you're saying is that this show is, this show is about imperialism. Um, It is (laughs) imperial. Yes. The imperialism of drag. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. So Fifty Shades of Grey, this is a very true example of the premise of this podcast because I had to literally force Fran to watch this with me. Actually, kicking and screaming. Um, I will. I want to set the intention and like I want the virgins to understand mm-hmm. um, the the context of Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm-hmm. 
I unironically and very earnestly and passionately mm-hmm. and spiritually mm-hmm. love this movie. Mm-hmm. I think L- you love this series of films. I believe you have said on this podcast that it is the they're greatest. The best, they are the best films ever made. Oh, all three of them, not yeah. just the first oh, one. Oh, yeah. Oh, as a trio. Um, got it, got it, got it. That being said, I have never read the books. Mm. Uh, the only time I did ever read a section of a Fifty Shades of Grey novel was um, over someone's shoulder on an airplane once because they were squirming in their seat next to me <laughs> the, while reading something, and I wanted to see what it was, and it was Fifty Shades of Grey. The only time I've ever um, heard a passage of this book was when it was read by Gilbert Gottfried for something. I can't remember who. So. God, Gilbert Gottfried. It was the is fun. He al- is he alive? Did he die? I don't know. But it was, I will say, extremely funny. It was very well done. Um, but in a way, I have read Fifty Shades of Grey because I've read Twilight. <laughs> right, of course. So give us the context here. Where where, did it, where does the, the franchise come from? Well, Fifty Shades of Grey, if you've never read the books or seen the movies, is um, three stories about Anastasia Steele, the most unrealistic name of a character ever in history, mm-hmm. who is a sort of mousy college student who meets a kinky billionaire mm-hmm. and and gets involved in a sort of reluctant BDSM relationship with him. Okay. And the series is about her wanting him to stop being kinky and be in, like, a normal relationship with her and him wanting to, like, hit her and take out his mommy issues on her. That is the basic premise of all three movies. I I, I want to get into it, but I just have to tell you where I'm coming from, Rose, which is, obviously, I, I haven't read the books, but I was working at Random House in the wake of Fifty Shades Mania. I worked as a studio assistant, and I have some real beef with this book franchise because the year... I started to work there was the year immediately after every employee at Random House got a $5,000 Christmas bonus. Every single employee, a company of thousands of people, every employee got a $5,000 bonus because of Fifty Shades money. Isn't that wow. crazy? Like the CEO was like, we made so much money that every employee gets you get a car, you get a car. I was just, anyways, I was furious. Which is very interesting to think about because we have to set Fifty Shades of Grey in context mm-hmm. because Fifty Shades of Grey is fan fiction. Mm. We talked about this briefly in our Twilight episode with Peyton Dix, which you should definitely go listen to if you haven't. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey was originally published as a Twilight fan fiction called Master of the Universe. It was written. <laughs> wait, I didn't it know was that. written. It was written <laughs> under the pen name. Wait for it. Snow Queen's Ice Dragon. <laughs> no. Snow Queen's Ice Dragon. I hate that. But also, yeah, that is kind of a serve of a fan fiction screen name. So this was written as a Twilight fan fiction in which Edward was just this kinky billionaire. Mm-hmm. Bella was like Basically, just Bella. One of the biggest complaints with Twilight is how puritanical it is. Mm. And, you know, the main tension of the series is that, as we talked about with Peyton, Bella wants to fuck Edward, and Edward won't fuck Bella because he's a vampire. And, like, his superpowered dick would, like, cave in her skull if she gave him head. It is the sole engine of the screenplay. Yeah. Pretty much. And so, like, Fifty Shades takes that and flips it on its head, which is that, you know, Christian Grey 
or Edward Cullen in the fan fiction, is very willing to fuck Anastasia mm-hmm. or Bella, but won't give her the emotional intimacy she wants because he has this, you know, like, tortured past. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of kind of characteristic mirrorings between the two, which we'll get into. Oh, it's the, it, they're exactly the same. Like, <laughs> all of the characters are, ex, are like, the char- the basic like tenants of their personalities are completely unchanged. Right. Except the tension of Fifty Shades is that Christian Grey is kind of inducting her into BDSM. I was going to say culture, but it's not really BDSM culture, which we'll talk about. And in Twilight, it's more like Edward kind of being like, "Mm, these are my vamp. This is my vampire culture. You're not allowed to be in it. It's a little, it's a slightly different kind of tension. Yeah. So I want to kind of walk us through the history of, of the publication of Master of the Universe and how it became the book and movie franchise we know today. Let me just buckle in. So when Snow Queen's Ice Dragon... (laughs) (laughs) We have to say the full name every time. (laughs) So when E.L. James, the artist formerly known as Snow Queen's Ice Dragon, began publishing Master of the Universe, Mm. um, she did something that, like, doesn't really happen a lot in fan fiction, or at least, like, as someone who has read fan fiction like my entire adult and adolescent life and still does mm. um she wrote that when she was publishing this story it was like in real time and she had a real like relationship with her audience and in her author's notes when she was publishing the story like each new chapter she would ask people for like suggestions on on plot points that they wanted to see and like she would get you know feedback from them on where they wanted the story to go. So mm. this really was a like community exercise, mm, interesting. which is why I think there is a lingering sour taste for people who were in the Twilight community, which I um, was listening to a podcast that's come out recently. It's called The Big Hit Show. And it's about, um, you know, like huge cultural moments on like how they become that big. Very brave and of the, you to listen to what is your first podcast ever. I'm the, proud of you. I'm going to ignore that. The <laughs> first season is all about Twilight. Um, and they did do an episode like specifically about fan fiction. And there were a lot of people who were in the Twilight fandom at the time that this was being published who have a lot of like sore feelings about it because what E.L. James did is this trope within fan fiction um, that's referred to as filing off the serial numbers. Okay. And what it's does that basically mean? like when you write a fan fiction, it becomes really successful. You think, oh, this has potential to actually be a book that I can capitalize on. Because the thing about fan fiction is that it's free. You can't make money off of it. Mm. Um it's a it's a it's an endowment it's like something that people do like purely for the enjoyment of writing, of like, you know, being in fandom, of like loving a piece of art that so much that you want to continue playing in that world. And so when someone sees like commercial viability for their fan fiction, they pull to publish and then do this thing called filing off the serial numbers, which is like, you know, what E.L. James did. Mm. She pulled her story from wherever what lived online, mm. did like a search and replace <gasps> with all of the names and, you know, published it as Fifty Shades of Grey. What? And it was originally actually self-published. Of course. Like on like a, what on Amazon or something like that. It was published as an ebook and a print on demand paperback and then it became so successful 
because of like a viral marketing campaign that it was eventually published by Vintage Books and became the bestseller we know today. Right. And so, I mean, you and I watched the movie together. Before we get into that, I think, you know, there was, as we all remember, a complete inability to avoid the conversation of Fifty Shades, right? Yeah, it was was such a a joke. Like, it was very very much fodder for late night, Mm -hmm. you know, um, hosts to to poke fun at. And I think, like... It's it's very similar to the same criticism that surrounded Twilight mm. when Twilight first came out, which was people making fun of young women for wanting to read a romantic saga. Especially something that was horny. But, yeah, but, like, Twilight wasn't as obviously horny. Of course. And I think it's, it's, different, it's different versions of hating women for the things that they're interested in. Exactly. Twilight was hating young women for wanting to participate in romantic fantasy. Mm. And Fifty Shades of Grey was hating women for wanting to read something, like, that made them horny. Period. That is such a good distinction. Because I remember, like, the SNL jokes about, like, you know, women in their 40s and 50s, like, reading and, like, you know, masturbating on a corner of a washing machine or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, but, like, the, you know, the person, the people having the last laugh with this are Stephanie Meyer and E.L. James. Because these things that, you know, culturally people wanted to make fun of, which are women and their interests, mm-hmm. are extremely profitable. Yeah. You know, like, when Twilight was released, they thought it was going to be a flop. Mm. And it's I didn't one of that. the Yeah, it's one of the biggest movie franchises ever. It made, like... $70 million its opening weekend. I'm shocked that they thought it was going to be a flop. But what's interesting also, I mean, well, not to poke fun in the exact same way we're trying to, like, criticize, but I will say I do remember very viscerally the images circulating online by the time the movie franchise came out of ushers in movie theaters finding many times soiled cucumbers. Um, do you remember that? No. Is that real or is that it's just like a, hun- a, a Twitter thing? It Basically, there are a, a series of images online of, of ushers in theaters being like, I found a like a literal like soiled cucumber. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I think people were faking when it. you look at the image, it looks pretty compelling. I don't know. But I'm not, but my point is not to, I mean, I think that's, that's a just, hoax. That's just. It's giving hoax. That's just like funny. It's fun yeah. to make fun of, but it is exactly in line with what you're saying is that the the overall kind of like punchline of at least Fifty Shades, but I guess in tandem with Twilight is kind of like women wanting things, you know? Yeah, but it's but, but there's no one is an easier target than women and the things that they're interested in. But please don't masturbate in movie theaters. Yes, <laughs> even though like women and our interests, we drive pop culture. Yeah, every time there's a reason why like most fan fiction is written by women and like a lot of it is by queer women. Mm. I mean, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I love fan fiction. I am a scholar of fan fiction, but I never, I never read 50 shades of gray when they were books. I was really never interested, even though I knew the backstory. Mm. And I think by that point I had kind of moved on from my twilight interest because I was very interested in, or I was I was like interested in the books when they came out and that I was bored one summer and read them all. And it happened to be the summer before the movies came out. So I like got on the train of being really into them. But then by the time the last Twilight movies came out, I was like my interest had waned. Fifty Shades of Grey came out. I I like saw the book phenomena kind of from a distance, like didn't really participate in it. And then the movies came out. Hmm. 
And did you see of, them all in course. theaters? I did. I my, my a friend of mine had like gone to Connecticut to do a writing retreat in like some house that his like family owned. And I went out there for a couple days, and it was in this like very podunk town, and there was nothing for us to do. So we decided to go see Fifty Shades of Grey one night because it was the only thing playing at the movie theater. Hmm. And I was obsessed. <laughs> you were radicalized. I was radicalized <laughs> as a Fifty Shades of Grey stan, uh-huh. and I have never looked back. And um, you know, like my my good friend Ryan and I, like we saw the the second two movies together, and like. Both ironically and unironically enjoyed mm. them. Uh, you and, and I watched the first movie together. Yes. Um, so I, I'll reserve my thoughts for now. But what was your reaction when you saw it for the first time? You you said you were radicalized, but like, what were kind of the? Do you remember anything that you latched onto? Whether it was like an image or something about Dakota or something about how it's framed? Think, I think you it was. Books? It um, does a lot of the things that I think Twilight did really well in adapting the books, which is makes them cooler than the source material so like twilight did that really well with the soundtrack and 50 shades of gray has great soundtrack it's like the movie soundtrack is so good yeah beyonce slow mix is Mm -hmm. well that was such a moment when the trailer came out and it was the the updated version of crazy in love it's it's sublime it is such a oh god it's so and it's used the the film did not deserve effect within the movie no it's not well we'll talk about it anyways (laughs) i I I honestly like cannot pinpoint what I love about the hmm. movies so much. I really like them. Okay. They're, I mean, I I can acknowledge that like the story has a lot of flaws, the hmm. same way that Twilight does. Of course. And that's what I like about it. Is hmm. like it's melodrama treated very seriously, hmm. but also like 50 Shades of Grey kind of like the Twilight movies like does let itself, like, not take itself too seriously and does kind of, like, wink a little bit at, like, how ridiculous what's happening is. Does it wink? Is I, th- it, is I think it, do so. You think, do you think the film is aware of itself? I feel yeah, like Dak- I do. I, you know, what's funny is when I was watching it, I feel like Dakota is aware of what's going on. I think Dakota knows but what I think, kind of is movie that, she's is in. But I think is that colored by, like, you knowing... The Dakota Johnson mm, of today. That's a really fair. That's a really fair point. Perhaps, and I honestly think whoever's listening at home might have a, an answer to that too. I think, based on her performance, I thought Dakota gave something that was a little more cartoony than what Jamie Dornan and the rest of the cast was doing. Like, I think that Dakota fed into some physical comedy that, to me. Even though it wasn't, she obviously didn't make the movie camp or anything, you know, but she did play an earnest character. She was acting. Yeah, I mean, she's, but, I, she feels pretty grounded in reality to mm-hmm. me because there's a lot of really insane shit happening around her. And she does kind of acknowledge that. Like mm. when Christian is trying to, you know, bully her into becoming his submissive Mm. she says to him many times like this is crazy yeah she's what you're asking of me is insane yeah she sometimes challenges him or sometimes he will say things that you think would be very shocking and she is like um very pointedly unfazed by it yes but as in twilight with with bella and edward like she's just so in love with him that she stays in this like you know controlling relationship I'm 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. When we watched the movie together, I remember you saying at some point along our conversations about the film that um, you feel like Anna, Anna? Anna. That Anna has more agency than Bella, if we were to kind of compare and contrast these two entities a little bit. Because I had no idea that Bella worked at a hardware store, um, but Anna also works at a hardware store. There are a lot of um, parallels, you know, between these two films, but the actual like female lead i guess the the woman in the in the center of the films are very different in, yeah well bella you know but outside of a few moments bella really goes along with what edward wants her to do mm-hmm. she finds out he's a vampire and she's like okay i'm, I'm going to become a vampire too i want to be with you forever he leaves her a new moon and she just completely shuts down until another man enters her life and like inspires her to like build her confidence which not to be a snob is like bad writing because like the one thing you need a character to do is to like make decisions for themselves instead of just like letting things happen to them but i guess also that is kind of i guess the charm of something like twilight and it's comic she's comically um disempowered yeah and in 50 shades like yes anastasia is so in love with christian that she allows a lot of his bad behavior but she also at several moments is like, I'm not doing this. Mm. Um, but like she eventually is talked back into it. Right. Usually by him like breaking into her home. Right. Like the one scene in the movie where she has broken up with him. Right. And she comes home and he's like standing there with wine. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? And she never remarks upon the fact that he's broken into her home. Yeah. And you know, okay. So I, as I, as uh, the virgins have probably p- picked up on, didn't love the movie. I think that one of the things that I struggled with, and I don't like 
you know, I don't like yucking people's yum. I'm not putting you on the stand and making you, like, defend this movie or Yeah, anything. good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I feel like I have a really hard time with movies that come out in this day and age where all the entire engine and the entire stakes are, like, built around, like, a white guy's dick. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, uh, to me, there is, there's nothing in any of the character, characters' motivations outside of the fact that, like, you know, Jamie Dornan can really lay the pipe. You know, that's kind of, like, what's going on in this film. And that, I, as much as I love comedies where the whole premise is, like, I want to fuck, you know, thinking about something like... Fleabag or like Never Have I Ever or like something like that. I feel like there is like so much inside of there. There's not there's not a ton explored actually in the sex itself of the film, which is like kind of the beating heart of what the franchise. is. Well, yeah. And it's also like this universe that I personally can't empathize with Mm. in which the most important thing in life is romantic love. Mm, yeah, I guess so. You know, so. These, these two women, Bella Swan and Anastasia Steele, put their love of these awful men before anything else. Exactly. And like, that, is, that is the only thing in their life that, that matters is the men they're in love with. Like, if the Begdell test had, like, a scoring system, these would be, like, failing grades. Like, they are, like, groundbreakingly, like, uncomplicated like like female leads. I think another thing that really shook me, I don't know why it shocked me, honestly. It's kind of stupid. But like I said to you when you were watching, I was like, I knew, I've always known that this was a fan fiction of Twilight. But there really is like no frills, no decorations. Like it is fan fiction, like lifted from the blog onto this TV screen. And I think that that is why I was kind of, Sad is that I kind of thought maybe I was going to like the movie a lot because it would be one of those, you know, so bad it's good kind of moments. And it obviously was that in a lot of different ways. But I think I was kind of um, taken aback by what I felt was a complete failure of the imagination to capture what is supposed to be a really tumultuous, sexy affair. You know what I mean? And I use the word affair like lover's affair, not like a fidelity affair. So you think that they're boring. I think that it's boring as fuck. And you said yourself that every single sex scene in all movies are really that vanilla. Because every, oh, yeah. all the sex, every single, for those of you that haven't watched, every single sex scene is basically the same thing. Anna is restrained. For like three seconds. For like three seconds. And then, Jamie and then he does just, a little. And then he just starts fucking her. Yeah. And then they just have normal, like, they, they're for, the first time they have sex is in missionary. Yeah. What the well, that's fuck because is she's a, that? That's because she's a virgin. I and don't also, care. You know, like, just, we need to talk about the just virginity. Like, just like Twilight, you know, Fifty Shades has a big preoccupation with virginity. Of course it does. And that, like, kind of pure heroinism is, like, so icky to me. And I think, honestly, the other thing that, like, really gets me, what I was talking about earlier is, like, the engine of the film is, like, unfortunately, and you and I disagree on this, Jamie Dornan looks like a fucking, like, he's in a fucking, like, Target catalog. Like, he I think is he's so hot. nondescript. He's not, he is... Un, he's completely conventionally attractive. Yeah. He is a catalog model. I, I do not see anything distinct about him in his body or in his face. And so I think that was another thing. It's like, I was like, wait, this is the guy? Well, you know, you he, know? it was originally supposed to be um, Charlie Hoonan, who like is a little bit more, 
rough around the edges mm. than Jamie Dornan, but he backed out of the last minute because he like what didn't want the level of fame that he knew he was going to get from being in these movies. I honestly don't know if Jamie Dornan has that level of fame. Like, mm, yeah, he was he not known before this really or Yeah, he he had been like on a couple of TV things and like since this movie, yeah, he's in that big like black and white Oscar movie right now, Belfast mm. and like mm. he's been in a couple other things. He was in Barb and Star, um mm. which was, you know, fun. To but me, he hasn't. He he did not reach Robert Pattinson levels of fame. That's what and I was he certainly say. isn't as famous as as Dakota Johnson, right? And obviously, you know, well, I, that's what I was going to say is that like Robert Pattinson is, even though you know, not a great actor in the Twilight movies, is like much I, more compelling. I, you disagree? Friend. You disagree? Right? No You're slander. treading on dangerous ground. Whatever. Um, he is so he's like dark and stormy and mysterious. He 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 sells us on this kind of supernatural dark horse trope, um, cowboy from nowhere kind of thing that's going on. Um, but to me, it's like if I were to like recast Jamie Dornan, because obviously Dakota is perfect in the movie. If I were to recast Jamie, I think I would want someone like a like. Adam Driver or Alexander Skarsgård or it's, so, it's, someone that we get into like that, you it's know, funny slightly that you, evil hot person. It's funny that you bring up Adam Driver mm-hmm. because Adam Driver is the focus of another filing off the serial numbers fan fiction turned <laughs> successful novel. What? What um, is it? So there's this romance novel that was huge. I mean, still is, but like last year, I think, is when it, the crescendo peaked. Um, on Book Talk. It's mm. called The Love Hypothesis. Mm. And it's a, a Star Wars Raylo fan fiction. Mm. Um, Raylo is Kylo Ren and Ray, who are, you know, the two leads of the newer Star Wars of movies. Course, of course. And there is like a big shipping community about them and lots of fan fiction. And this romance novel was originally written as a fan fiction about them. And the author did the same thing, filing off the serial numbers, changing their names. And it's now like a hugely successful um, romance novel. I had no idea. And I did read it. <laughs> Wait, you did? Okay, I of did. course you did. It was, you know, I. it was a nice way to spend a day. Yeah. My, I, I literally read it in like, you know, 48 hours. Yeah. I think that, that said, what I'm trying to get at is I was personally, before watching the movie, very excited about what can be explored in a power dynamic that, I don't want to say blurs the line of consent, but in BDSM and kink culture, which is not (laughs) at all, you know, exemplified in this movie, there are much more nuanced approaches to, like, how they talk about consent because lack of consent can be someone's kink, you know what I mean? Like, someone having a kind of being overpowered fantasy is something that is imbued and always talked about intracommunally in BDSM and kink stuff. And so I thought, you know, there would have been some of that explored, which I think is maybe explored in the books, but not at all in the movies. I don't don't think it is. (laughs) Um, But it also would have been interesting, like, if it was, like, um, if the power dynamic was also, like, age-related. Like, if it was more of, like, a daddy, like a a Willem Dafoe or, like, a Gary Oldman or something. It's all about capitalism. Yeah, You know, it's like he has more money than her. You know, you did only watch the first movie. So I think it would be fun if I I told you about what happens in the rest of the movies. Yeah, wait, top line it for me. I've literally never heard this before. Okay, well, first, before I say this, we do have to talk about the fact that Rita Ora is in these films. She has a a very brief cameo in the first film. She she plays... um, 
Christian's sister Mia, who is Alice from Twilight. And we have to say, when Rose says very brief, she means like <laughs> one, two, one, one line. One she line. Has, she has two, no, two lines. Two, two, two. She also has a really like horrible, she's wearing a really horrible wig. And also um, her introduction is inconsequential to anything in the movie. The only reason she's in that movie is to set up the next two movies. I guess. Yes. So, you know, the, the first film ends with, with Anastasia leaving Christian after she's asked him to show her how bad he wants to hurt her. And he like spanks her six times. And she's like, <laughs> bye. Um, so in the second movie, like she very, they very quickly get back together, like almost no time at all. Um, but she's being stalked by one of his old submissives. Mm. Um, who is like who's still obsessed with him? You also find out in the second movie um, more about his tragic backstory. Oh, what is so it? So he well in the first movie, like I think you will remember that he said that he was a crack baby, basically. Oh my god! I, oh, and he, yeah, and he yeah. had an abusive mother who died when he was little. And you find out in the second movie that all of the women who he likes to dominate look like his mom. So, no! so like, he just has really bad mommy issues. Dakota Johnson does kind of look like a young mom, yeah. Um, you also, in the second movie, meet uh, the older woman who inducted him into BDSM. What? So Kim Basinger plays... Uh, Mrs. Robinson. I love that. Who, you know, like, basically was a pedophile and um, made Christian her submissive when he was a teenager. And it's called Mrs. Robinson to call back to the graduate. Yeah. Um, Um, So in the second movie, Anastasia meets her and... So wait, in that relationship, was he the submissive? Mm -hmm. Whoa. Okay, okay. And so Anastasia meets her and, like, hates her. Also, Christian asks Anastasia to marry him in the second movie. Of course, because it's Um, Twilight. And... I also think the second movie is when he gets into a helicopter crash. What? <laughs> yeah. Relatable. But but survives. Uh-huh. Um, also, um, Anastasia has started working at a publishing house, and her sure. boss is super predatory and wants to fuck her, yeah. and eventually gets fired because he tries to assault her. Does Jamie Dornan, like, kill the boss or something? No, but... It continues on into the third movie because in the third movie, you find out that the boss was so Christian was in, you know, like the was in the system as like in foster care and was adopted by his rich parents, the Grays. And I guess it turns out that the boss was like another possible kid they were going to adopt and like feels that he should have gotten the life that Christian got. And so he is, like, stalking Anastasia and, like, trying to break into their home. And then, this is why it's important to mention Rita Ora, in the third movie, Rita Ora gets kidnapped by the boss. No, she does not. And Dakota Johnson has to... Kidnapped by who? Oh, by the boss. By the boss. Okay, okay. Um, And then Dakota Johnson has to, like, navigate this hostage crisis. (laughs) She would. That's a perfect role for her. Yeah, and she, like, uh, goes in... Like, she makes... Christian think that she's leaving him and goes and withdraws all this money from their account so that she, because they've gotten married at this point, so she can save the sister. God. And then, like, she's, oh, and she's also pregnant. <laughs> she gets pregnant in the last movie. Twilight. <laughs> and she, he, like, kicks her in the stomach, I think. <laughs> no! And she thinks she's going to lose the baby. Also, no! uh, also very much I like, riveted. very much like in Breaking Dawn, 
Christian, when he finds out Anastasia is pregnant, is really against it. Um, like, because, you know, in in Breaking Dawn, Twilight doesn't want Bella to have the baby because he thinks it's going to kill her. Christian doesn't want Anastasia to have the baby because, like, he wants her to himself. Of course. But then, you know, like, after she gets kicked during a hostage crisis, he's like, oh, I want the baby. <laughs> um, Your recounting of the trilogy is honestly more interesting than my entire experience like, of, of watching the but, first film. Okay, but so the the best part of the... Well, no, there's, like, a lot of great You're parts. like, I would never say best part. Yeah. Um, so the end of the final movie is... The childlike glee and wonder on Rose's the, face right now. <laughs> the end of the final movie is... Um, you know, like, a Christian has kind of, like, given up, you know, being a dom. Mm. And, you know, they think they've settled into this, like, normal life. And then one day he comes home and um, Anastasia has, like, put the jeans that he always used to fuck her in <laughs> out on the bed. What kind of jeans? Are they're they, just, like, a light they're wash? Just, they're just jeans. Bell um, bottoms or a straight leg? No, they're, or? they're kind of like a, you know, they've got, like, a, a like, the, like artful fading, you know? Oh, yeah. Of its time. I would say they're boot cut. Okay. Um... And okay, American, and then American she's Eagle. and then she's waiting in the red room of pain, which is what his playroom is called. Right, it like canonically is called the red room of pain. Hate that. And she has now like decided she wants them to be kinky again. And he says to her that she's topping from the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the move. That's how the franchise ends. No, it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> you're kidding. Yep. Honestly, the thing, one of my biggest, well, okay, something that stuck out to me, I think it's so funny that she starts to work at a publishing house. When we were watching the movie, you pointed out to me that Bella and Anna share the same three personality traits that they have, which is they are brunette, they are awkward, and they like to read. Uh, clumsy. Clumsy, not right. No, different, different, very, very yeah. different. Though they both um, play it. The main, the main difference is that Anastasia has bangs. Right, that's um, that's actually huge, huge. She also is like very performatively not into the fact that her boyfriend is a billionaire. Yeah, and every time he tries to buy her something, she's like, "Oh no, I don't want this." Which is like, so. Are you kidding? Uh, if I if I felt if a billionaire fell into my lap in a workplace environment, the way I would ride and milk that man for all of his worth. Liter- literally. I mean, ride li- and milk literally him. ride and milk. He bought he buys her a car in the first film and mm-hmm. she gets like and she's real, like, oh, no. she, oh my God, this is so weird. And I was this like, is too much. I can't take it. You have to take it back. I would text him and be like, actually, um, I asked for a Jeep. Uh <laughs> I asked for um a Tesla. Thank you. Also like a car is not the kind of thing you can send back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess not. But if you're really wealthy, I'm sure there are really easy ways to kind of exchange it. You can kind of do whatever you want when you're wealthy, apparently. But honestly, the his him being a billionaire obviously it's it's very good for fan fiction it's very sensationalistic um and it's good for the movies because they can do things like go like fly in a helicopter mm -hmm. and like you know he can like come surprise her on her trip with her mom right oh yeah i remember yeah yeah and and i i understand narratively what it does but i think that it just especially now makes him such an ugly character. I think again when I when I said like I hate that the engine of the film is around like, you know, the fact that he's really great at sex. It's like I wish he had at least one more redeeming quality. Like mm. he it, I could actually buy in to the fact that she's only here because he's amazing in the sack 
if the sex scenes were actually good. Um, but they were just kind of, you know, very sensual. And, like, they they sell it. I think it's performed well. But the sex is, like, so lukewarm. I know. Honestly, the movies would be so much more interesting to me if she was, like, a gold digger and just wanted him for his money. Like, yeah. then I could understand where she's coming from. I, I yeah. would get her motivation. And, and I even as I say this, it sounds, like, so esoteric but and there has to, Like, but I'm you not know, trying to, like, wokeify the movie. Yeah, you but know? no, no. But she has to be set up to be, like, not only, um, you know, physically, Physically pure, but morally pure. Yeah, she has to. She has to not want the money for him to be attracted to her. The right. same way that, like, even though he talks all this game about wanting her to be sexually experienced, when he finds out that she's a virgin, he like loses his mind and thinks it's the hottest thing ever. Right, and which is, I mean, which is so like, I, which I don't understand at all. Like, I don't understand virginity being attractive. Okay, wait, let's talk about that very quickly before we get into the sex scenes because this is like a virgin, um, and you all listening are the virgins, and we have to say we on this podcast, like, the construct of virginity is like a concept that is like so archaic and bizarre and weird and like and puritanical. And I think that Twilight and Fifty shades and things like them exemplify what we as a culture kind of believe around what it means to have had or not have had sex. And I think coming from where I'm at, it's like, I like growing up, there is just a myriad of things that, you know, my family would think are like morally, you know, wrong, but I could watch some things on TV so long as they weren't sex. Like, having sex before marriage was, like, the be-all, end-all of, like, things that you absolutely, like, that is the worst possible thing you can do. And, like, culturally, we subscribe to it. And it's so funny that these, like, women are so uncomplicated in their kind of puritanism that they feel like they're a construct of, like, the male imagination when, in fact, they're both written by women, um, which is kind of kooky. I think the reason I like kind of point that out is like to maybe get into the sex scenes of it all like this movie and its relationship to like bdsm and kink is like virtually non-existent yeah there is no relationship yeah this is at all and and like i'm not i'm not a kinky person i think it's like it's honestly just like too much work for me Mm -hmm. like kink is a whole lifestyle that you have to like well i mean it, it depends on your level but like when you're as kinky as Christian Grey is being set up to be, like, it's like a hobby. You have to invest a lot in it. Mm-hmm. I just don't have that kind of energy or right. or attention span. And I am also, like, maybe not a member. I'm kinky, but I'm not, like, a member of, like, the BDSM community, yeah, that, so to speak. However... That being said, like, even knowing very little about actual BDSM, I am well aware that this is not any kind of real depiction of Actually, what that's like. Actually, Rose, I think you're selling yourself short because even though, as we said, we're not, like, in that community, you and I, you know, used to be sex writers. We used to be, like, people that worked in LGBTQ media. Like, we actually do know a lot on this topic, and a lot of our friends are in this community. So I feel like, you know, I was able to really quickly see that there's just no, absolutely no relation to what this woman's, like, kind of um, fantasy of BDSM would be because it is so, like, it just feels like it's written by a fourth grader. Yeah, when in fact it was written by a 50-year-old woman. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of the backlash around this movie that wasn't centered on, like, oh, haha, look at women being horny and how stupid that is, like, haha, um, was from people who are actually in into BDSM saying this is not a realistic depiction of of us mm-hmm. at all
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. It's also a movie about contract negotiations yes. because, like, that's the whole plot of the first movie is him trying to get her to sign paperwork. It is the best scene in the movie. It's a really yeah. good scene. Will it's you describe really- it? Yes. So there is a scene in which Anastasia has said that she wants to talk about the contract to become Christian submissive, mm-hmm. um, but she has some notes mm-hmm. on the contract itself. So she asks for a meeting at his at his office. She shows up in this like very sexy dress. Mm-hmm. And they have a meeting in a boardroom in which she tells him, like, she doesn't want to do anal or vaginal fisting yeah, or use genital clamps. She goes through the contract line by line, which is honestly hot. It's a very amazing scene. But I thought it was – I was floored that she wouldn't do anal. I thought that was so lame. Like, come on. Like, that's another – it's like, come on. Just, like, do anal. Like, just try, do anal. Try some blood play. Like, just, you know, get into it. You have know you ever I mean? done blood play? <laughs> Not, not on purpose. <laughs> One time I was having sex with someone and like, uh, I don't know, we were a little too rough and there was like a little cut on like, was it? Oh yeah, it was, there was a cut on my dick and after. Um, on your dick? It was like a very small sliver. It, it like, it like hurt a little bit, but I didn't really notice. It was very small. And after we were like kind of done, his, his stomach was like covered in blood. He's like, where did this blood come from? Um, anyways, uh, no, I have never engaged in, in blood play, but I just like, like the, 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 the kind of key iterations of what the author slash filmmaker think is kink is essentially handcuffs, uh, a whip, <laughs> a riding crop. I, okay, I love a riding crop. So do I. I used to have one. That's very, oh, really? Yeah. There's this Hermes. But it was like only really to like, I 
used to like bring it to parties when I was a club kid. There's this that's hot. That's a good look as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I there's this Hermes writing crop that I've been eyeing forever. It's vintage. Um, it's but it's I think it's like six hundred dollars. Yeah, um, you don't need a an a, Hermes, Hermes writing crop. Right. But anyways, um, a writing crop, a whip, handcuffs. These are things that. An ice cube. Yeah. He does ice play. Oh, yes. <laughs> ice play. Like, I'm not trying to be a total bitch about it, but it's just like... These, but you are. These are things that... Um, what you, you want to do is not necessarily yeah, what you're going to do. This is not kink and BDSM culture. These are things that heterosexual couples in their 40s and 50s introduce to their relationships to, quote unquote, spice things up. Like, it's it's not BDSM. It's just not. It's like, it's power play. Yeah. Yeah, which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are little things here and there where it's like, this could be, you know, maybe. But it's just all of it together just doesn't really work. And then I also feel like when, like, you know, the first kind of books came out, the BDSM culture was also responding to what is a completely unhealthy slash inaccurate portrayal of consent in BDSM relationships. Mm -hmm. Because Anna's, I think, frequently saying she frequently does things for Christian that she's not comfortable with because she's either too shy to speak her mind or because she's afraid of losing Christian or because, you know, she just like, it just doesn't have enough agency, even though she has more agency than Bella. But, you know, that's not how BDSM has, and when you do it the right way, quote unquote, it has very, uh, you know, hard and fast kind of rules of communication and, and boundaries. And I have found that my friends in BDSM culture have some of the healthiest relationships and or sex lives because they have to over communicate where those lines are where a lot of times people not in BDSM are too just as the as portrayed in 50 shades are kind of too scared to talk about those things because sex is embarrassing. Yeah, there's only there's only a passing mention of like safe words. They yeah. talk about it during the contract negotiation scene, like which like BDSM one line. Do they even really do safe words anymore? Like, I don't know. I, don't I, I, I mean, dated. I I will say like I have to admit that my only knowledge of BDSM comes from fan fiction because it <laughs> no, because not a because it is a true it is really a trope in in fan fiction and i have no idea if the understanding i have of bdsm is even true to life and that it is like being written about through the lens of someone's own experience or if it's literally just like teenagers making up what they think BDSM is or like women playing out their fantasies through these characters. Like I have no idea if it's, if it's real or not. Yeah. 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 I, because it's not something that like I really engage in, in my actual sexual life. So it could be that these ideas I have of what BDSM actually are, could be totally fake. I would be really curious to see what would happen if someone who was, maybe more of a BDSM community's mind would do with this film. Like would would like um Anified Christian Grey on like field or something <laughs> like you know and for those I don't know if anybody if those listening know, but there's like a dating app that's like so busted. The UX is so bad. Uh, well there I mean oh. we do have to we do have to say there is a difference between kink and BDSM. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Right. Kink is maybe a he- a, a bigger umbrella over a bunch of like sub umbrellas and because BDSM I think there there are plenty of people who are into kink right who don't want 
BDSM right. who, don't who don't want, want like be... who don't want power or pain to be part of that sexual experience. Right, right, right. Um, I uh, was gonna ask, have you ever have you ever like looked at field or tried fields or like I've been on field before. Yeah. Like I mean, you know, I haven't had an account, but I've like been on the website. Like, it's it is. Uh, I mean, apparently, it's supposed to be for people that are maybe kinky, but also maybe people that are poly and looking for thirds. Question mark. The UX is so busted and. What is really weird about it is, like, pretty much everyone I've had to... And I don't use the app, but, like, when I did try it, everyone I swiped on was... Just looked like some normie heterosexual couple. And I was like, where are, like, the queer people on this Well, that's platform? very that's very Fifty Shades. Yeah, Because, you know, like, I... It's, it's funny to me that I like these movies so much when usually the reason that I am drawn to something like this is because I can catch a whiff of queerness, whether it's through, like, Mm. subtext or, like, shipping some characters together or whatever. Mm. But Fifty Shades of Grey is so aggressively hetero. Like, there's there's truly nothing gay about it except in the first movie when um, Anastasia asks Christian if he's gay. (laughs) Right. And I think there's, for some reason... And that's the last time homosexuality is ever acknowledged. Slightly back to the Rita Ora of it all... You warned me about Reed Ora. You did not warn me about Marsha Gay Harden. Well, I song. wanted it to be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> not just Marsha Gay Harden, but Marsha Gay Harden also as a character that has literally no bearing on the plot of the first film at all. And I think has like one or two lines, question mark. She does. She is important later because, as I said, um, Christian's old lover is friends with his mom. And in the third movie, I believe... She finds out about it and slaps her. Or, like, throws a drink in her Wait, face. Wait, he slaps his mom? No, no, no. Marsha Gay Harden um, throws a drink in Kim Basinger's face. Oh, amazing. Because she finds out that she, like, um, preyed on her son when he was a teenager. Oh, my God. Oh. That is actually something that must be noted, is that, like... Um, people that are into this are not um, should uh, are not a, a product of like childhood abuse. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a pathologizing of Christian Grey, mm-hmm. and yeah, not- the Anastasia is very like preoccupied with what the question: Why are you like this? Exactly, and I don't even want to like defend Christian Grey. He's a dick. Like, he's a bad person, straight up. Um, but like he, it's it's true. Like throughout the whole like kind of franchise there is this kind of like hmm this guy's fucked up and like there's something wrong with him and and, like, she, and Anastasia thinks she can fix him yeah it's just so and she wants to know when they'll be able to have a normal relationship yeah i don't know it just it just it's not it's it doesn't work so i me. think it's safe to say you won't be watching 50 shades darker and 50 shades freed I mean, anytime soon, unless you tied me up and uh, forced me to watch. <laughs> well, I it. would only do it with your consent. Of course, um, of course. I most likely will be going home and watching them immediately <laughs> after we finish recording, because tis the season. Now 50, you're in the Fifty Shades. They are Valentine's Day movies. They are what I like to watch this time of year, and I love them so much. Period. And I hold space for that. Thank you. I really appreciate you holding space for me. We never yuck. Um, I really appreciate you. Um, gaping for me. No, not that. We will be back next week with a discussion on Jagged Little Pill, the album, slash we kind of get into the musical a little bit too, with none other than Charlene Incarnate, renowned drag artist and friend of ours, 
who has come on the pod because she is honestly the expert on all things Alanis. Um, you can tell us what you like about this week's episode. Did you watch Fifty Shades? Yeah. Are you an, are you an Anna? Are you a Christian? Yeah. Um, are, are you a Rita? Do, are do you like fan fiction? What fan fiction would you like to see adapted into a major film franchise next? Yeah, I identify as a Marsha, of course. Um, you can tell us what to talk about next, whether it's a show, a book, a cultural phenomenon. We want to hear from you. Call to confess at three two three penance. That's three two three seven three. Six two six two three. I'm your co-host Fran Torado, and you can find me at Fran Squishco wherever you want on social media. I'm Rose Damu. You can find me at Rose Damu on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can subscribe to Like a Virgin anywhere you listen, and leave us a rating on Spotify or review on Apple Podcasts. Like a Virgin is an iHeartRadio production. Our producer is Phoebe Unter, with support from Lindsay Hoffman, Julian Weller, Jess Cranchich, and Nikki Etor. Until next week, see you later, virgins. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Open a limited time 11 month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average. Plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.